It's time for Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host, outdoor writer Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Hunter's Blend Coffee, defending hunting one cup at a time. Now, let's get into this week's show. All right, welcome back to Off Grid with Ralph and Vicky. I'm your host, Pete Rogers, and today's uh, podcast, we want to talk about how hunting has changed throughout the years. So, you've been hunting for how long, Ralph? Too long. Too long. Too Me long. too. Too long. Uh, I don't know about too long. No, um, well, let's see. Um, T-Rex 74. Bow hunting since 74. Okay. So, 44 years. Let's not calculate that. Okay? 44 years. And this is my 40th year. So, I started when I was 14, and I'm 54 now. So, this is my 40th year. So, wow. It's changed a lot. Yeah, I know in South Carolina it's changed a lot. And I guess here in the Midwest, has it changed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for the better, for the worse. Or we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, let's... We'll get to that in a put minute. Put that on reserve. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I'm curious, what I'm curious about is is uh, um, things like how the populations. Uh, we'll talk specifically about, about whitetails, okay, and then we can go with other things. But that's the number one animal in North America that Absolutely. people hunt for. So it makes more sense to talk about how whitetail hunting has changed through the years, uh, and we can really go down a rabbit hole with this with how equipment has changed and how techniques have changed but just so we just want broad strokes today okay we can break into those a little bit more um so just just in general how has it changed since 1974 okay um you know at, at that time you know archery was just starting bow hunting was just starting to pick up mm-hmm. um so we actually watched that whole curve and i mean that curve was up it was facing way up and it continued to climb 80s 90s and i think we talked about that before yeah. um but um tree stands were new oh, you, yeah. you know what i mean no yeah, that tree, something. yes <laughs> tree stands put people up in the trees yeah. uh, you know and, and it was funny because you used limbs. You used whatever. Yes. You take a two by four and make a ladder. Oh my the, you know, gosh! Up this the trunk of the tree. Gosh, they had ladders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And they they'd lash them in. They'd tie them in somehow. Yeah. Um, it was actually even before like the ratchet straps and all that oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Um, there were that. I think it was Chinese or Japanese ropes. Remember those? Like on the old lockouts? Yes, yes. You pull the rope you was pull. braided over the other rope, so you'd put it around a tree. Oh, like the finger lock. The finger lock yeah, thing. Like the finger, yeah. And you'd pull them. You, you, you I do remember those, yeah. Yeah. But don't ever step on the bottom edge and because there was nothing to hold that. So oh, that's right. you you know, people <laughs> I think all in all. With social media and digital and all that other stuff, with writers like yourself, you know, really promoting safety, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's really helped because we don't even know how many people were actually hurt or killed back yeah. then. Not tree stands, and, stands oh, or climbing or stands, and, and I mean, you guys, the ones you had to bear hug the tree yes, and go up with. Yeah, gosh, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I remember some of the old ones that we had lock on. Yeah, I have. I still have a lock. I still have Remember a lock. Remember Yeah. You know, Joe Amick, I mean, you had them. I mean, there were so many different ones. Master Hunters out of here in Illinois, um, there were just, oh, my gosh, just a pile, a slew of them. Um, and, you know, still today, you know, people, I mean, it's still a, a very 
valid way of hunting deer. Yeah. Yeah. But I think as as our new age structure isn't evolving in, in hunting, you know, we don't have that big youth group coming in or right. younger adults. Um, you know, the older you get, the the I think the less tendency to 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 act like a bird perched up in a tree or a monkey to get into that tree. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? This That's why older, well, you see older people. Ladder stands and ground blinds are huge ladder stands. now. Yeah, I've switched yeah. to almost exclusive ladder stands at home, except when there's super tight places where I need to be a little more mobile, then yeah. I use a lock-on type stand. Well, you look at, you remember, you know, back then it was tree steps. Yeah, remember Screw that? Yeah, screw ons are straight strap ons. Remember? Yeah. I know, but once we went from the the screw and steps, and all of a sudden they came out with like rapid rails, which was yep. like kind of the next step. Is we either you had and the climbing had a stick, a climbing stick, or you had a rapid rail, and then like once you got so used to those, you were like spoiled, and then all of a sudden you go to somewhere <clears> and you're using tree and screw and steps and. Man, those make me nervous now. Yeah, like, yeah I, I don't, don't like. Mean, I don't steps. like those steps I think anymore. They're still being made. I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. But not you. I mean, not like before. I mean, I know when we had the shop, guys would come in and buy a box of fifty. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean. You, that, mm. I don't think that's they're good to anymore. hold your backpack. <clears throat> yeah, in the stand. Yeah, <laughs> and I use them. I use them actually above my walk-on. To give me an extra handle to get yeah, onto my yeah, ladder. Yeah, right. You right. know, I'll have two, one on either side of the tree to grab a hold of my, so that I have an extra. I run my ladder past my stand anyway, mm-hmm. but I just have an extra one up there for the back side of the tree to grab on as I'm getting onto my ladder. Yeah. That's when most accidents happen. A- another safety yeah, feature is getting in and out of the stand. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's huge. So tree stand hunting. I think tree stand hunting, you, you know. Uh, you know, that's evolved. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I think it's ac- absolutely become more safe. I, I mean, you know, think of then w- there were no, there was no hunter safety systems. <laughs> no, no, yeah, there were no harnesses. They, you know, no you would get a belt. There was Remember, no- and then game tracker and a bunch of others came out with just a belt. Yep. Then if you fell, you were hanging upside down, mm. cutting the circulation off your waist. Y- yeah. Y- y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you didn't fall all the way down. No, you, you didn't hit the, the ground. strength, you could go ahead and spin yourself back up. But, but you know, what I always was afraid of was falling and spinning and hitting one of those screw in steps. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and getting impaled on the step. I, mean, I was like, okay, I, I, that, that scared me worse than hitting the ground. You know, was if I fall and I swing into that step, yeah. man, that's going to be terrible. I remember I had my wedding band on. Remember that? And I slipped and, I, and the step caught the... The wedding That's band. his excuse for why he doesn't wear his wedding band. No, no. And, and I mean, it. you know what I mean? It yeah. just bubbled up and everything. And I was like, Ooh, wait a minute. She knows I love her. She knows we're married. I don't need to wear that. That's why I wear the silicone band now. I, I, yeah. And I think yeah. I consider that. Yeah. That's why I wear it. on that for you. Because okay. yeah. in my other job, I can't. I'm not supposed to wear bands because of the safety issue. Oh, right. So okay. that's why I went to the silicone band. Um, yeah. you, you know, but but then again, you know, I, I think like Hunter Safety System started a started something that has saved. I think we could safely say thousands. Well, you know, of thousands you know of one lives, of the cool yeah. things with how they evolved into that though too was like the tree stand manufacturers because of insurance reasons they started putting in really inexpensive. I don't want to say cheap, but inexpensive. Harnesses port, where you couldn't figure out how to put it on oh, because no. it was just a bunch of straps. Yeah, and the guys on the safety systems, the they were like, you know what? If we make it into a vest, it's so easy to put on well, and people will wear them. So, I mean, that was a great idea. Well, you, you know, and, and Vicki, I mean, really, you go out west that they don't hunt from street. The majority of right. them, they're spotting and stalking or they're sitting on the mountainside. Yep. So, so, 
you know, it was it's really the hub in the Midwest and East and yeah, South. East you, and you, South. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know yeah. Whitetail country. Yeah, whitetail. Like you said earlier, the number one animal. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's whitetail yeah, deer. It you know, so so that literally just exploded. And you know, keeping everybody safe is such a such a, a very important thing. It is. And now, you know, we're still struggling trying to get young kids and, and new adults. Um, you know, participating, hunting, seeing what that lifestyle is about. You want to keep them safe. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and then again, that goes back to the ladder stands, the ground blinds. Mm-hmm. I mean, just l- look at look at just lifelines. Yeah. Well, I started putting lifelines on my ladder stands, too. Yeah, we, we have them on all of them. Yeah, the I started putting on my ladder stands. I mean, it, anything can happen. That's right. It can. That's right. <laughs> and one of the things that... Um, Hunter Safety Systems did was they made it idiot proof. Yeah. yeah. Like Vicky said, with the vest. You know, with the, uh, even before the vest, when it was just yep. the straps, but they had the original seatbelt buckle. Now they yep. have a little better, a little bit better buckle system. But it's like the ones that come with the stands, you got to be an engineer to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You you cannot hook this one up wrong, and every no. strap is labeled: tree strap, yep. drag strap, lineman strap. I yep. mean, so there's really, if you can read, there's no way that that you can hook this system up incorrectly. Right. You know, and it comes with the strong carabine. It comes with everything that you need. It's a great, great tool, and uh, um, I've got now where I just, I just. I guess like a lot of people, when they first came out, I, just, you know, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I learned that, you know, testosterone has killed a lot of people. <laughs> or hurt them. Yeah. Or yep. hurt them. Yep. So once I put it on, it's like a seatbelt in the car. I don't, it is. I don't feel right without it. It is. It, it is a piece of equipment. It. In fact, like, now you get to the point where you have it on, you're hooked up, you know, yeah. above your head, you know, and you're and you feel like you can do anything. Yep. You know, you, you know, all of a sudden that deer is around the tree and you're like, well, I can lean a little further because I feel safe because I can feel my you best can feel it on, on me. You. Yeah. Yep. And you're like, okay, I can make that shot, yep. you know, and, yep. you know, I think the other thing too is practice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. Practice with all your equipment on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I, I guess just in the realm of things changing since I started that, that would be a couple of the big things. Hunting elevated, hunting from tree stands, and then also the safety issue with that. Okay. All right. Um, Compound bows were just coming into their own then. In the yeah, early seventies and eighties. And then we watched we watched that go as far as, you know, higher let offs. More efficient and short draw lengths. You you know what I mean? A lot of manufacturers address that. Um you know, and, and, and well, I the think, whole we can get a big discussion on oh, how, yeah, how, and, and how we to, have touched on it before, and, but but we're going to actually do a podcast on gear. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do one on gear and and how how that's evolved. But so not just archery, but but even even firearms, how they've changed oh, throughout the years, right. how they've gotten better, more accurate, the ammunition. Big muzzle else. loaders. Yeah. The difference of the muzzle loaders, crossbows, in cross. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. all in all, I mean. Yeah. I think if we would, your, your original question to ask that, <laughs> it was funner. Okay. So hunting back hunting, then was hunting, more fun than it is now. Absolutely. Here's here's what, what I see. It's a personal opinion. Okay, let's be clear. Somebody posts a picture mm-hmm. on social media and they get slammed 
because it's not old enough, because it's not big enough. It's not 140 inches. It's, yeah, right. Whatever it is. It's, you know, or or this, or, oh, did you have any history of it? Or did you, 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 you know what I mean? Um, it's on your and, hit list. Or, or the person feels before they post it, they have to apologize that they shot it because it's not. Well, what, it was the last night and I just needed to fill my tag, so. Here we go. If there is one pet peeve of mine, and I, I'm not speaking for you, but you say yes or no is we are literally becoming cannibalistic in eating our own. Yes. Yes. We, we yeah, really within, are. Within the hunting community. Absolutely. Within the hunting community. We right. are. We are judging everybody. Oh, yeah. We are telling them, what, are you an idiot? Why'd you shoot that? Or, you know, it, it, you know and, and, and what's the saying? Don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's, well, it's, it's to each their own. It has become... Um, a ranking system within the culture of you are considered a better hunter if you can kill a 140 inch deer even if there's no 140 inch deer in your area. Right. We're actually a big doe. As we've talked about before. to shoot than a big buck. Yeah. In my area of South Carolina if you kill a 110 inch deer that's as big as they're going to get. You may occasionally, every so often, luck up and get a hundred and thirty inch deer, but a, hey, we went to Florida. But we a were just big deer is going to be a hundred to hundred and ten inches. We went to Florida, yeah, with our muzzleloaders, our traditional yeah. muzzleloaders, and hop. And we said, "Hop, you know what? What can we expect?" He said, 95, 110. Yeah, and it's relative to the area. It is. And and the other thing I think is, you know, it's it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's great to shoot big animals. But the reality of it is most people don't have a large enough track of land that they, one, control the pressure. Mm-hmm. Two, they can afford 25 cameras mm-hmm. and get keep them out there. And you, you, you know what I mean? And, oh, and I pattern yeah. these animals yeah. and know that even though you pattern them, you have enough land that they're not leaving because look, yeah. good example. I mean, here we have all of our, our, our local friends we keep in contact with, you know, Ben and everybody, Dave and, yep. and, you know, Randy, you know, Haskin, I mean, all of them, Dean, and we share, share photos or something. Well, we could see a buck here and three, four miles away. They got the same buck on camera. That far. Yes. That far. Yes, sir. And we've watched it through the years and we have documentation of it. I mean, bottom line is if you don't own a big tract of land. That's a big tract of land if you need it miles. Oh, buddy. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be sweet? Now, what does that do to, um, here I am digressing, but when they say that a buck's home range is only one square mile and you get pictures of them three or four miles. Now, is that during the rut when they're roaming and searching? You, you and know stuff? what? I, I think it's all dependent on the area. I do, too. And the does. Uh, and the does. Uh, I mean, you know what? I think biologists, you know, true biologists that are in the field, mm-hmm. um, you know, see things, you know, keep keep records of it, just like everybody else is doing with their own trail cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting records. And if they communicate with their other landowners, you know, next thing you know is you're starting to learn how to pattern something, mm-hmm. but understand and realize that maybe some of the data is not as accurate in certain areas. Right. What about pressure? Pressure changes a lot of things. Changes a lot of things. So, so I mean, you know, we, we were a good example. I was on a really nice deer last year, never connected, but we're only, we only have 33 acres. Yeah. 
this year he was bigger hmm. and he got shot on the neighbors. Oh, did he? More power yeah. to that, you know, to the hunters. But, yeah. you know, if you had, if you had a thousand and you had him in your core and you have that whole buffer zone you, and yeah. you're managing, you got better habitat. You, why is that deer going to leave? Well, no, he's not. You, you, you got to have everything for them. You, to be there. you got to. Yeah. So, so, and back to how has hunting changed as you said it was more fun well it was more fun because of the lack of uh slamming each other or was it more fun well, because I of mean, lack of pressure that, or that's that's part of it there wasn't as many people hunting deer back then well now you know in the in the 80s going in the 90s there were more hunters back in then. the 80s and 90s, you, you, yeah. you know what i mean yeah. um and the thing was is you know they were they were excited about a damn 190 pound doe. Oh, 190 I, I, pound doe. Oh, buddy, here? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. God. Hanging. Hanging. I yeah. Bucks on that video. <laughs> no, no, but you, you, you know what I mean? We had big doe contests. Yeah. We, you know, you, you had oh, buck okay. contests. You had, you had all of this stuff. And, you know, it was the conversation was, man, I shot a six point. Yeah. You didn't say, well, what did score? That's right. They said six point, awesome. It's six point or how heavy it is. Yeah, yeah. It was about body weight. Yeah. Right. Well, and, it, and like you were talking about when we went down to Hoppies with the muzzle with our traditions, the buck I shot was one hundred and ninety pounds in Florida. In, in, in Florida. In Florida. And Mister Reed, Hoppy's dad, you know, Pop Pop and Hoppy and all them, they were like, "Oh my gosh, that deer is just huge," you know. And you're looking at it, and I'm like, "Okay, it is a big body." It's yeah. definitely a big body. It's like almost like one of the ones around here, you know, and they, they were all excited about it. They just, they couldn't believe it was 190 pounds. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicki's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Beeman Arrows. Beeman is considered one of the world's innovators of carbon arrow technology. Beeman continues at the forefront of the industry by developing new methods and processes for ever improving their products. Beeman arrows are used by pros and sportsmen alike for their perfect balance of speed, durability, consistency, strength, and value. Beeman Carbon Arrows, made in the USA and purely American. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. I've only killed one deer over 200 at home. And I've killed a lot of deer in South Carolina. I've only killed one over 200 pounds. Well, and it was a small eight point. He had a small, I mean, the tines were only like three inches long. He just, that's just what he was, you know. But I'll he was 203 pounds. Now that's, that's on the hoof weight. That's mm-hmm. guts it's and not. all. That's how we weigh them at home. We don't, nobody field dresses at home, which is another topic. But, uh, yeah, that's as big as they get. They just don't get that big. Yeah, but also you're not dealing with... The ag that no. we have here, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you have the acorn crop that, that we, we have do. here. You we do? do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but I mean, we have soybeans, we have corn, we mm-hmm. have, you know, and thousands and thousands of acres. Winter wheat fields. A lot, a lot of, of ag, ag here. Yeah. 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 We have alpha. I mean. On the I mean, trail camera, we have that one buck over on a 33. And the antlers aren't any, I mean, he's just, he's a mature buck, but he's just not, you know, but he he's just fat. Like huge, huge yeah. fat. Like you're looking at him, you're like, he must not have rutted at all whatsoever. Oh, wow. he's just that big. He looks almost yeah. weird. I'll kill him for you. Okay, okay. Um, okay. I, I don't discriminate on. No, that. we don't. <laughs> no, he's somebody out of shot him too. He's a mature buck. He's just I don't know what's happened yeah, to him. He's weird. Yeah. I, I think what we've what we've changed in in the in this 
longevity of, of what we've participated in is um, <laughs> we've put more emphasis on managing the deer than we actually manage the new hunters. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. We, we, you know what I, you know what I mean? Um, back then we had, and, and today a lot of people won't admit it, but they have boxes and, and closets full of spikes, three points, six points, eight points. They have that. They have the skulls. They have the skull plates. They have, and they look at it and they could remember every single one. Yep. But today we tell our children, we tell the new hunters, don't shoot that. That's right. Don't shoot that. That's right. And when the opportunity comes at a mature animal, they haven't had the experience. They haven't had the knowledge. They haven't witnessed it. Sometimes, majority of the time, maybe it gets muffed up. It gets screwed up a little bit. Yep. Um, we, I just I personally think that we need to step back. We, we, we really do. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to say, listen, let's, let's manage our, our children. Let's manage our new hunters before we manage that wildlife. The wildlife is going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. We have biologists managing it. They're setting up numbers for right. how many animals are supposed to be taken. Yep. Once that quote is met, you shut down. You, you right, know what I mean? Right. Th- that, what we're doing is we are belittling the hunters. The new hunters. The new hunters. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and also, I don't, Pete, I don't mean to, but it ain't just the new hunters. There's still a lot of oh, hunters yeah. that That's get right. so damn excited seeing a deer that they just want to try to shoot that deer. Yeah. Well, it, you well know, it, when you, when like you were saying, like South Carolina, your biggest deer, you know, you're, you're looking at, you're lucky for 110 <laughs> inch, you know, and <clears throat> here in the Midwest, you know, people be like, why would you shoot that? Yeah. You know know. what I'm saying? So, again, it's relevant to where you are at. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's a big deal. And that's, I mean, when we have our friends come out, like, you know, even you out here, we're like, you know, shoot whatever you want. Well, I want to be clear. Trigger, go for it. I want to be clear so that I'm not slammed when people hear this in South Carolina (laughs) by the by the uh, the areas of South Carolina where there is large ag fields and there are bigger deer killed killed in those areas. I know somebody's going to hear this and say, "I live in South Carolina and we kill bigger deer than that." That's not what I mean. I'm saying that. No, and again, it's relative to your area. We always say that because. Good example. I'm just going to say this just happened yesterday. We had a major snowstorm come through mm-hmm. 10 miles north of us. There's no snow. Yeah. OK, yeah. so it's relative to the area. The deer are going crazy. It's almost like late season. Yeah. Our standing beans, the standing corn deer are piling yeah. into it right now. We got them on our spy point cameras. But here's the thing. 10 miles away. Totally Nothing. different. Yeah, completely different. So it's all relative to where you're hunting. And when you say your area, you mean very specific. You don't mean like Illinois or no, South Carolina. We're not you to... mean within, it could be within that county or in a portion right. of that county or, you know, to actually the area that you're specifically hunting. It's like we talked before on the land that, that we own and that, and that I hunt, our deer have short tines. Right. For whatever reason, four inch tines is all you're going to get. I've hunted there for 18 years now. And that's all you, you may get one that has five inch tines, but that's just what it is. That's, that's it. Right. So, so go out and enjoy and it, enjoy experience it, witness right. it, just like you're doing. You're getting all your kids hunting. Yep. I mean, that's that's yep. what we need. It is. We need to stop this damn band, riding this bandwagon. Look how great thou is. Look at what I'm shooting. Because in reality, most people will never have a hundred fifty 
25 private acres that right. no one else is hunting. Yeah. Right. And yet we, the, the big play up is on this, these, you know, this person or these, these people have 5,000 acres, 2,000 acres. Yeah. You, they, they will never understand it. That's right. And we are, we are appealing to a, to, to appeal to a broader audience to get more people excited in this outdoor lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I hate to take th- these words from someone else, but it's time to make hunting fun again. Mm-hmm. That lifestyle, it, it was a, bu- it it's, it's a blast. It is. It is. It is. And if we take that, if you take some of that pressure off and you get more people involved and experience it and witness it. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because uh, I had a conversation with um, Lindsey Thomas from the QDMA at a writer's conference recently. And I don't remember the name of their program, but one of the things that that they're interested in is getting first-time hunters that are adults. Not not bringing the kids into it because they don't have the money. Right, right. Or the and they're spot on. They're trying to get these 30-plus-year-olds or 40-plus. I wish I could think of the name of the program. So I apologize for that. And if we can, we'll come back in and add it to it later. Um, but... As I talked with him about it, I thought, man, that that is such a great idea of trying to get people in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s who've never had the opportunity to hunt to get them out in the field. And if we start putting all these restrictions on them, you can only kill something that's four and a half years old or you can only do this and it's going to actually, it's just going to kill the desire to go, you know? Well, look at how many so-called experts are out on TV and on social media Mm -hmm. and digital and this digital world. They all can judge a deer just by the look of it, not knowing any history of the animal, not knowing if it was a drought, what the animal feeds on, you know, I mean, some browse more than others. Some may eat more corn than others. I mean, their teeth are all going to change depending on where they're at. There again, if you're in the big egg field. Exactly. Or if you're not. <clears throat> yep. you, 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 you watch a show and they say, oh, well, he's only four and a half. Now, they just came to this outfit or never been there before. Don't have any history of that animal. And they're already. So the viewers go, oh, man, that dude knows what he's talking about. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Well, Is, yes, yeah. you can. QDMA mm-hmm. has proved it. You know, you can look at a deer and be close. Yeah. Close. Close. But then when we tell, we're trying to get new hunters in, and we're telling them, okay, you can only shoot a four and a half year old. They don't even know what that is. That's exactly right. That's they, exactly you right. tell them, hey, it's got to be a, you know, it's got to be a sixteen inch spread, eight point or better. Yeah. Or sixteen they inches. They don't know what the they don't know what the deer's tip to tip ear is. Or as they say at home, it has to be outside the ears. This was a big conversation recently on a Facebook page, Sacramento Deer Hunters, is these club rules, it has to be eight points and outside the ears. And like I said to them, I've hunted in Sacramento for 40 years. I've never killed a deer whose antlers were outside the ears, <laughs> who were legitimately outside. outside the ears. Now, if you bring the ears forward or point them all the way back, you can make it what you want to. But it's about 16 inches mm-hmm. tip to tip on a mature whitetail. So you're talking about a 17, 18 inch plus spread. That does not exist very often. In certain areas. In certain areas. Yeah. In certain areas. But if it does, and your rules are, has to be outside the ears, there's going to be one deer killed on that property the entire season by the, by the, by the whole club. Or they're going to make money on fines. Or they make money on fines. Yep. 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 Yeah. You you know, I, I guess it all boils down to, we understand 
you know, trying, trying to grow bigger animals. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, that, that's our dream. We all want to shoot big bucks. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to shoot a big buck. Absolutely. But. But now we're struggling to try to figure out how, why are our numbers decreasing? Why is mm-hmm. the participation decreasing? You know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I guess it boils down to one opportunity, mm-hmm. cost of that opportunity. Yes. You know, availability, mm-hmm. you, you know, and restrictions. Right. And if we keep telling them, hey, you know, you got to let, let, let the little ones grow, you know, to, to, to get to get what we're looking for. That's right. Then that person that never ever drew back a string on a deer for three years quits. Yeah. If I have, if I can't shoot that when I get an opportunity, why am I going to do it? Yep. As I said to a, uh, a club president years ago, the last time I was in a club is why do I want to spend a thousand dollars and not be allowed to kill something? <laughs> I cannot spend a thousand dollars and not kill something. Right. You know, right. It, it doesn't make any sense to me, especially with, I don't know about here, but the uh, uh, availability of public land. You know, one of the things, and I want to get to that in our conversation of how hunting has changed, is in South Carolina, the, the number of acres of public land has decreased as the number of hunting clubs has increased. Because oh. our state rents most of their land. Really? Yeah. The public land is, is rented but from timber companies and farmers. It's not owned. Very little is owned by the state. Um for, wow. for public land. So hmm. when the landowner has a hunt club that'll pay $25 an acre versus the state that pays seven, right. it's, an, it's a no-brainer for them. So I have seen tens of thousands of acres go away for public land into, into private clubs that cost an enormous amount of money to be a part of. Having said that, we still have several hundred thousand acres of public land that really doesn't get hunted. Because people are afraid that it's not safe. Well, Pete, we, we get we get a lot of comments. You know, they go, right. well, yeah, oh, yeah, you guys, all you hunt is private land. And you, you know what I mean? No, stop. I started hunting all public land. Mm-hmm. I had no money. I had no contacts. That's what we did. Hunted our deer, hunted our elk, hunted, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? We yeah. hunted public land. We truly understood pressure. Matter of fact, I understood it in the, in the 80s and 90s when the pressure was way more than it is today. Yeah. And we were still successful. Yes, there are some rules of thumb. Number one is don't think you know it all. Right. Okay. Two, you can travel further in and the majority of the time you'll have better opportunity. However, also learn that the hunters in these public lands can also be an asset to you. The majority of your hunters will get out of their stand between nine and 10 o'clock. So that means all of a sudden, these guys, these girls are walking through bedding areas, walking back to their vehicles, disturbing animals that weren't disturbed before. Years ago, I shot one of the first bucks on a state area here in Illinois, and I, I shot it right off the parking lot. Because I was watching and I was like, why am I, why are we not seeing deer? And then I could see all these deer tracks going literally right through this mode area where you park, going through and going out in these big open fields. And I'm like, why would the deer go out there? Well, it's because everybody's disturbing the the timbered areas. They go out there and they bed down in that CRP. I don't know if it was CRP at that time, but but they were just in the field. It's just a fallow field. So I, I got in this small tree, this little hedgerow, and I shot a buck with my bow, with my recurve. And lo and behold, you'd watch these deer filter out 
literally going right between some of the vehicles coming out and taking going out in these big open fields and bedding down. But the fields were overgrown, though, right? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. They weren't mowed or anything. No, yeah. they were just yeah. all prairie grasses and, and everything else. But what, that, what I did is I learned that the pressure dictated the movement mm-hmm. in those state areas. Yeah. Now, here's the other catch. For what we do, filming, there's a lot of restrictions. We have to pay, perm- we have to pay filming permits in really? a lot of... Yes, oh, sir. Oh, yeah. State and federal lands, we have to pay for a permit, filming permit. So now, not only do we have the, all those expenses, oh, now... Yeah. You go yes, to Alaska, sir. you go film in Alaska, you pay a daily fee, and they want to know exactly what you're going to be doing, where you're going to be staying, where you're going to use the restroom, where you're going to you're going to take your trash with you, and Can it's they do a daily that for photographers? Fee. Still photographers? Yes. If you are you're generating money. income... Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Dang, I have yes, no sir. idea. BLM land, federal so all land. You, all you people listening to this, if you're taking pictures or filming yourself. If you are making it, a, if you are turning it into a business, be very aware that you better have the proper paperwork. And uh, the majority uh-huh. of the time, it's it's there's fees and there's some, you know, crazy fees like a 10 day moose hunt costs us like $4,200. No, 20. Was it the permit was. F- you have to have a business license. So that's a hundred dollars a year. Yeah. Listen here. You have to have an Alaskan <clears throat> business license and we have to renew it and you can renew it every two years. So we have a hundred dollar business permit so that we can go ahead and get a filming permit. And even though we're not a giant Hollywood company, we still have to pay a daily per day. Fee. Per a day. daily fee. Yes, sir. It's a daily fee. So you have to let them know how long you're going to be gone. They want to know all these different details. They want GPS locations of where you're planning on being, on your tents, if you're going to be moving around, if you're going to go and use the restroom. Are you going to dig a hole? Are you going to take it out with you? Are you going to be using toilet paper? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that... You have to so do a lot go, of research. Right. So if you, go, if you go in certain areas, federal lands, you have to do that. I had no idea because oh, yeah. there, there's going to be outfitters that may not even they, they, they have their outfitters permit, but they may, may not cover filming. Right. So you have to be aware of this, because if all of a sudden that footage airs, even if you're putting it on YouTube, people, if you're that's making right. money off of it, if well, you, you are getting income, you could potentially make right. money off of it if you're putting it on YouTube. Right. And all of a sudden, the next thing you get, if you get a phone call, an email or someone knocking on your door. Hey, question. You know, we just viewed this. Did you do you have the filming permit? Like good example. I mean, and Vicky does all that research. OK, because um, I'd screw it up. He but would. Uh, he would. Totally. I would. I, I totally that. would. I believe that. But the other thing, too, with all of that is their states. That you, if you are generating income, you cannot legally hunt state or federal land in that state. Filming. So, yes, sir. So, pay close attention to what's going on. Is there a, uh, because this is just, as you can see by the look of my face, I'm just like, I cannot believe this. Is there a, uh, that we can tell people who are listening to this, a place to go to find that information? Like You have to go by state. State by state. State by state. And and federal lands, you have to go into 
the federal um, Alaska has their federal. What is it? Um, it's U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Something U.S. Or another. Fish and Wildlife. You end up going through them to find out where you're going to be hunting, and then okay. find out what kind of permits you need. So let's just make, let's just make a good clean statement here for anybody listening to this who may be research. Yeah. Great. Bottom line: research where you're going. Get all the data. Sure. It's so accessible now. Yeah. But just make sure that if you're going to be filming or even still photography on public lands whether it's state or federal lands, that you have all your permits necessary to be able to sell that content, yes. whether it's a magazine, website, YouTube, Outdoor Channel, whoever it is, you, that there are that there is paperwork involved. Huh? See, today it's so free to, to take a photo and post it or a video clip. Mm-hmm. But what you don't realize is if you are, that's your business. Mm-hmm. You are jeopardizing your business because it's just crazy. Pete, and I don't know if we even touched on this, but most people don't realize that outdoor programming, we pay the network to air our show. No, no, we don't realize that. No, we don't realize that. There's a lot about that 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 we we can get into. Yeah, no, but that's another whole podcast. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is they they don't, you know, a lot of people don't realize what all it takes. No. And these permits and, and, you know, if you if you want to have a show, you have to pay to air the show. It's not like years, you know, where the other other networks pay. It's not like they pay us to be on their channel. Right. You know, and that's why we have manufacturers. Well, and that's why you also see a lot of a lot of shows come, come and go. Yeah. Right. Because these people go and they and they pay ten thousand dollars for a camera and and all the accessories that go with it. And they're twenty five thousand in the hole and they go and then they got to travel and they got to pay to hunt and they got to do all this. And now and now they say, hey, we got this great product. Oh, well, it's going to cost you X number of dollars to put it on our network. Yep. Right. And they're out of money. Yep. There's a lot behind the scenes that people don't know about. Sure. And that's, uh, um, I mean, we can. That's the future, but that's why we're doing these podcasts. Just to be open and and, and, and let people know what's going on. We're very fortunate to have a vast history, experience, knowledge, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it, of doing this for 30 some plus years. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just want, we want to try to help people. We've always wanted to do that. And that's why we're doing this. You know, I I mean, this isn't our gig. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's kind of odd just to sit sit in a room and stare at a camera. And not really. And talk to me. And, but, yeah. Well, yeah, that's just another whole straight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that, that's, another, no. that's something totally bizarre. But this is. I am here to keep human therapy. <laughs> you, okay. you, you are here to keep us on track. Because if it was up to Ralph and I, we our, our squirrel moments. We oh, would, yeah, we, we would, would go off in yeah, tangents. But we do anyway. But we are anyway. That's what this podcast is about. We'll be right back with more Ralph and Vicky's Off Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. This segment of the Off-Grid Podcast is brought to you by Traditions. Traditions has the most extensive line of muzzleloaders in the industry. From brake action, to bolt action, to classic guns, and even muzzleloading pistols. There is truly something for everyone. Additionally, Traditions muzzleloaders are available at all different price range, so there is a gun for every budget. Traditions muzzleloaders... Moving forward with performance, value, and quality. Welcome back to Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers. We're coming to you from the Hunter's Blend Coffee Studio. Now, let's get back into this week's show. But one of the things about how hunting has changed <clears throat> is we saw a huge spike in populations of, of animals. Yes, due to management. 
I mean, huge spike. Because I, I can remember, we talked about this in an earlier podcast. I can remember it was in 1977 or so. I was like seventh, eighth grade. I saw a deer track. And I went to my I went to my little book from Outdoor Life. You could get ten books for a dollar for the trackies, yeah, yeah. all the tracks, yeah, all the yep. tracks. That is a deer track. That ain't and, a, that ain't a raccoon. That's a deer. And I went to school and told people I'd seen a deer track, and you thought I was the greatest hunter ever. I just saw a, a track. A track. <laughs> How the deer just hopped and left one track, I don't know, in the middle, but they do that. Um, and then it went to the population exploded in South Carolina, Management. over a million animals. Yeah, any and, animal we put value to, Pete, mm-hmm. has increased. Any time, any in history, yeah. we're not trying to beat, you know, to, to, to claim some. The reality of it is, any animal that we put a value to, Absolutely. just like Africa has found out, just like anywhere else on this globe, yep. you put a value on an animal, and you get you you, you, you just the numbers will increase, the knowledge will increase yes. on those species. You know, understanding all that is such such a true value. And it you're is. right from from back then to now. If we if we walk out there and we don't see a deer, we're disappointed. Very disappointed. I hunted seven years before I saw a deer. Now think of that. Before I saw a deer. Seven years. Now, granted, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a mentor. I figured it all out right. along. But there was just no deer to see. And they eat turkeys. Oh, yeah. Oh. Look, yeah. look what NWTF and look what they've done. Yeah, you they you know what I mean? Yeah. Where states you didn't even have a bird. You didn't have a turkey. That's right. Now look. There's yeah. a huntable population in almost every state. Yeah. Crazy. Even just 20 years ago, we've lived here for almost 20 years now. And when we first moved here, we saw a hen and she had like six or seven yep. bolts. And she used to come around our gravel driveway. We used to have oak trees in the middle of the driveway. And every fall, when like you drive around the driveway, we would break the acorns from driving on them. And she would bring all her bolts in the summertime. And feed. And they, and they it was awesome. in our driveway right here in front of the door. And... That she was, was on the deck one day. And and but you never saw them. You never saw them right. actually any time besides there. That was it. Right. You know, and we're like, wow, we hope they make it. Never heard now, of them. You have now, a few turkeys now. Now yeah, it's we like, have a few. We have a few so turkeys now. Many turkeys now that honestly they ruin our deer hunting because they get in the way. <laughs> but but you're right. But I mean the other thing too, yeah. we didn't do anything. We did nothing. We didn't do anything. Right. No. The state did. That's now right. that's there there's an open up a can of worms. People are yeah, gonna say careful. this state doesn't do this. The reality of it is the biologist stepped in and said, Listen, there let let's grow this. Let's right. let's let's create better habitat. Let's do this, let's do that. That's right. And now Let's talk about, you know, you know, <clears throat> let's talk about other things that, you know, that, that help or hurt landowners taking hedgerows away, you know, wiping out creek bottoms and oh, all yeah, this. All when really you take hard. out habitat, you know, you're going to hurt your wildlife. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. But we can't, you can't blame the landowners because they're trying to just make a living off the land they got. Yeah. Now they're plowing all the way to the ditch. Yeah, absolutely. Plowing all the way to the creek. This is close they're taking as the, the fence lines summer. off along these country roads. And then when we get blizzards, it's horrible because you can't get through. Well, your pheasants, you don't your small critters oh. have any cover. That's so, why quail have disappeared in South Carolina yep. because the farming practices have changed. But, but, but you can't, blame we can't the blame them either. Because you, you know what I mean? Oh, we, I understand. We, we can't. Yeah, and it, and it's a hard. A yeah. it, it's it's hard. But what we can do is work together as hunters, live in this true lifestyle. And we've always said it was a lifestyle. We I hate right. I, I disliked when people said, "Well, you know, it's a sport," because it's not. You people that hunt, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember back then 
when you saw, and, and I, I close my eyes, it's a game pull. There's 10 deer hanging. Yeah. Didn't matter the size. They're wearing wool flannel shirts. You, you know what I mean? They got Red their, flag, they got yeah. the ear flap hats and, and, and all this stuff. That brought you, you saw that and you just, your soul settled. It just, yeah. <sighs> you, you know what I mean? What deer camp was about camaraderie and, right. and about helping each other get their animal. It yeah. wasn't a contest. No. And now today, you know, you know y'all we, might fi- throw $5 on a table. For yeah, the that's right. The weekend or the week or, or the heaviest dough. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it wasn't, you didn't you right. know, look down upon someone. Like, yeah, right. you, you, know, exactly. you celebrate. You embraced it. That's yep. right. Today, we destroy it. Well, it's like Ridge said. The other day, we, we were hunting our property, and my, and my middle son, Ridge, um, texted me. I, I heard him shoot. It was rifle season. And he texted me and said, uh, Daddy, I shot a buck. And I said, Awesome. Is it a good buck? He said, For me, it is. Awesome. And that just, yep. so, you know, and it was his biggest buck. You know, he's yep. killed several, but but he's never seen a, what, what we're talking about here. But, man, the smile on his face. And he was excited. The first one he killed hunting by himself. He's 17. That's cool. Um, and so it was just like, that's what it's about, is that he... He saw 10 deer that morning, which was, yep. I think Good. it was 10 or 11. Yeah. And so, and that was the fifth buck he saw. And that's the one he decided to shoot. And, cool. I, and I was like, you know, that's what it's about. It doesn't matter how big it is. Nope. He's excited about it. And we took it home and we ground it up and we're going to have good deer burger for the rest of the year. And, and we asked him, what do you want to do with antlers? He said, saw them all. So we sawed them off, and they're hanging in the barn dry now. And yep. and uh, and uh, and you'll remember that, and you'll remember it, and your whole family will absolutely. remember it forever. Yep. Absolutely. But when he said, "For me, it is," that just kind of drove home the point that we're trying to make right now is that, yeah, hunting has changed in some ways for the better. Equipment's better, populations are better, some access is better, some's not. Yeah. Um, recruitment is down, but if we can just take off some of the stigma of what success is and what success is not, then I think it can really help even seasoned hunters. You know, it can help even us take off some of the pressure of somebody asked me one time, why do I like pig hunting so much? I said, because there's no pressure in killing pigs. Right. There's no score. That's exactly right. There's the thing. Yeah. There's no record book for a hog. And that's what I mean by that. That's about, right. About there's no, it doesn't matter if it's 20 pounds or 300 pounds. You got still, a pig. It, you still got a pig. Yeah, except 20 pounders are good on the trigger. They're oh. really good. <laughs> Happy call really Barbies. Good. Yeah, Barbies. Barbecues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I shot one of those this year down at Hoppy's. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the funny feet. thing, too. I was seven feet away from it. That's what was so cool. Oh, I got that yeah. close. You know, and here's the other thing. We have a good friend, a dear friend of ours, Dave Munch. Mm-hmm. Dave Munch bow hunted his whole entire life. Now, because of his arthritis and everything, he's shooting a crossbow. Mm-hmm. Okay? He is so geeked up. He puts a ghillie suit on, just like we do, and he sits in the timber. Not in a tree stand. Sits on the ground. He has deer walking by him at 10 yards. He's got the crossbow up. And, and I mean, he he is... It is, he has made hunting fun again. Right. Here's a guy that shot deer his whole life. He is probably one of the best predator hunters we'll, we'll ever know yeah. in our lives. But, but more than anything, he is somebody that mentors people. And at his age is telling everyone, listen, hunting's fun again. Mm-hmm. Fun again. Yeah. Go out and enjoy it. Yes. And, enjoy and you it. know, just like you said, you know, with Reese, he, You said the smile. Yeah. Okay. 
I promise you, him winning a video game never made him smile. Like that. Like when he, Absolutely not. And not saying he's playing video games, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And yeah. that's the thing we need. We need to turn around and please stop eating our, our own. Stop yeah. destroy. Stop beating up everybody. Get off this social kick that you are mightier than thou. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And turn around and embrace any hunter. That's if right. they've done it legally. I don't care if they've done it over a bait pile. I don't care if they've done it over a food plot. Yeah. I don't care if they spot and stalked it. I don't care. If they done it legally, embrace right. them. Say, hey, man, I am so happy for you. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Whether it was a crossbow, a handgun, a matter. rifle, shotgun, a vertical bow. I, I am, where did that term come from? Oh. You know? I mean, it's a bow. You know? Right, it's a bow. Right. You know? It's but, a but, bow and you have a crossbow. This, yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> so, but, but that's all. Embrace it, it, our absolutely. fellow hunters, women, children, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And stop, stop you know, beating each other up, mm-hmm. look at each other and say, Hey man, we're in this together. Whether it's a technique, whether it's however you, maybe you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Right. Maybe you don't want to shoot a deer over a pile, but it's okay for you to shoot over food plot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I guess what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. whether, whether you're hunting with dogs or not, whether yeah. you're hunting with inline or, you know, or, or flintlock, I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. We just need to embrace each other, stop picking on each other, stop destroying each other's ha- happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's um, let's kind of jump off of whitetails for a minute. We're talking about how hunting has changed. And uh, one of the things I've seen, to see if you agree with this, is that small game hunting's almost disappeared. Yeah, I grew up right. hunting squirrels. Because all I had was a twenty-two rifle. As I said before, my dad wasn't a hunter. I kind of took yep. to it myself, and I had a twenty-two rifle. When I turned 14, I got a twenty-two rifle for Christmas. And I started just going out back hunting squirrels. I love hunting gray squirrels. Love hunting squirrels. Um, and it's it, because it takes me back to how I got started. And as I was telling my sons this year, if you can learn to stalk up on without spooking squirrels, you'll become a better deer hunter. Oh, yeah. You'll become a better hunter in general. And I see seven-year-olds killing bucks. I see seven or and, and eight-year-olds killing turkeys, and they've never even shot a squirrel. Not that that's good or bad. I'm just saying is that there is so much fun and joy in small game hunting. I'd like to see a resurgence in that. I'd like to see a resurgence in, in getting kids and new hunters out there where you can get success. You don't have to be scent control and, and, and super quiet and stealthy. You can just have fun and talk to each other and, and listen to dogs chase rabbits or or go after squirrels with dogs like we do down in Alabama. You know, um, I'd like to see that. Have you seen any any? Uh, what's your experience with changes in small game hunting? Oh, I mean, you, well, and upland as well. Here, here's, here's, and I, and I, I always go back on this. And years ago, when we were in a tree stand or you're you're, you're hunting, you know, you saw a squirrel, you shot it with your bow. Mm. Today, that arrow costs you like forty seven dollars. <laughs> it feels like it. Like not, squirrel's not worth it. You're <laughs> You know, the arrow itself, the fletching, the whole nine yards. Uh, and you question, man, is that squirrel worth $47? I still have a small game head in my quiver, though. Yeah, yeah no, no. But you, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so I, I guess we have actually, I, I, I enjoy so much taking my gamble pelagon seriously mm-hmm. and going squirrel hunting. I do too. One, it's 
it's not, I mean, the, there's no noise. You're not offending anybody if you're in a smaller area. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? More urban than than rural. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, if but it's you legal, got booner squirrels here. Oh too. my These god, these squirrels! And the other thing too is not only I know he'll go take the gamble and he'll go walk through the woods, you know, but. Like we have to, we have to control the squirrel population, which sounds ridiculous, but they like to get into our engines out here. They eat all the wires. And really? they go in and yes, they destroy sir. our vehicles. <clears throat> yes. You're yep. looking at us like we're crazy. We were, we were on a trip this summer. Terry here from the office uh-huh. had his car parked outside for like a week and a half while we were gone. Came back. His car wouldn't start. He had to have it towed. $600 later, a squirrel got in there and ate all the wires, the wires. To, the, to the ignition thing. Good gracious. If you open up any of our hoods out there right now, they will have, they will, there will be nuts in our hoods. In so our wait, hoods. I'm experimenting with something. Vicky read this online. All right. Okay. Did, what, what, did, what did we put in there? Um, oh, pepper. Um, what's the pepper that starts with the letter C? Cayenne. Cayenne, cayenne yeah, pepper. Cayenne so pepper. I opened up all the four wheel, you know, the, the side by sides and all, all of our tractors. And I sprayed cayenne pepper to see, you know, because that'll keep them away. Yeah. If it'll keep them away. Because someone said if you, yeah. if, you, if you put cayenne pepper in your engines, not in your engines, but, you know. Yeah, right. As a barrier. Right. As a barrier. So this could be, this could turn into a really accurate tip this, this, or yeah. a bunch and of then BS. We could, then we could yeah. sell it. There you go. And we can make lots of money. You know, you buy two repellent. for twelve dollars a pop. Oh, there you go. You yeah. know, we'll get it at Dollar General for a buck. For a buck. Yeah, but we'll sell them to you two for twelve. But wait, there's more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you act now and only now. As a squirrel. Free repellent. shipping. Yes, yeah, a squirrel. Repellent. A squirrel. Repellent. We'll just stick a sticker on there over the cayenne pepper. <laughs> but no, seriously, I mean, we we've really tried to keep the squirrel pocket. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it, it is really fun. Is fun. It's a lot of fun. You know. Have you ever uh, gone out uh, with your recurve shooting squirrels? Oh, absolutely. That's with so judo much points. Fun. Yeah. Well, yep. yeah. I love Flu doing that. And is so much fun. Sneaking up. Of course, it'd be fun. A lot more fun than the snow like you have here. We yeah. don't have that at home. But we, we saw really a, like a squirrel yesterday. Squirrels. RJ and I were dying. We were laughing so bad. We had a deer come running across the road and the snow is pretty deep mm-hmm. and we watched the deer and said, Oh, look at the deer. You, you know what I mean? And it plowed through that snow drift. Poor squirrel. You could have went up and clubbed it with your recurve. <laughs> it jumped and it disappeared. You know what I mean? And then it come up its head and then it tried to jump again. And you're like, Oh, what is that? What right is down there, right down the road. We're laughing. RJ and I are like, Oh my gosh. You, you know can't mean? get through the snow drift. Yes. Yeah, so probably right now would be an unfair advantage to the hunter. To, to, to the, the squirrels. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I, I mean, it would be, you know, and you're right on. I, I mean, again, I think it boils down to Pete. Here we are talking about, you know, things changing opportunity Mm -hmm. there is so much opportunity out there don't just be you know don't have tunnel vision it's not just about deer hunting right right there's other opportunity you you know what i mean predator hunting squirrel hunting pheasant hunting waterfowl waterfowl trapping uh, trapping. i mean get them to understand this lifestyle kids or adults that's right let them see the values of what participating Mm -hmm. in this buying hunting licenses what those what that those those dollars go to pitman robinson act robinson pitman act however you want to say it you know 11 percent of that federal excise tax let them see this. Let them see the values of it. And then yeah. be truly live it. Don't be a hypocrite, mm-hmm. but live it. Right. We have proof all of our, our existence. We've lived it 24 seven. Yeah. You've lived it 24 mm-hmm. seven. You've raised your family on it. We've raised our son on it. And, and, you know, actions reflect leadership. You don't have to be on social media and blow your own horn. 
Let your actions speak louder than your words. Right. Live it, share it. And guess what? This will exist. It will. And, and, and as we wrap this up, one of the things I think that's important, which I think we're saying in a big picture, but to be more, more focused and saying is, is that we need to be proud of our lifestyle as right. hunters, not ashamed of it. Yep. And we need to promote it in a positive, positive. way. Not beating each other up. That's right. Promote it in a positive way. And that's and that can be things as be tasteful in your pictures. Mm-hmm. Right. That you share. Don't throw be, it on the hood to drive it home. And don't you, you don't have to show the wound channel. Right. That the arrows make or the blood trail. Don't glow. I mean, it is a bloody sport. We recognize that. Um, but let's glorify the success, let's respect the animals, let's respect the pursuit and each other in the process. I mean, hunting's, hunting in South Carolina a few years ago was passed as a constitutional right in South Carolina to, to be able to hunt and fish. And, and there, it was on the ballot of several states this year as well. So we're seeing more and more states protecting the right. privilege and I call it a privilege. I don't call it a right. I think hunting yep. is a privilege. Um, and and with that comes responsibility. And to, to, as, as we said, to lift each other up, to respect the animals, to respect the resource, and to uh, take care of what's important to us. Yeah. I agree. thousand percent. Absolutely. All right. So with that, we'll just wrap this episode up. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. If you, uh, this is Off Grid with Ralph and Vicki, I'm your host, Pete Rogers. If you have not subscribed, please do. Go to your uh, carrier of choice, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, and subscribe to us. And we'll be back with some more episodes soon. Make hunting fun again. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you come back again for more Ralph and Vicky's Off-Grid Podcast with your host, Pete Rogers.